Tis the season to be jolly, amen. It's a, a season of great joy, uh, a season of celebration, uh, a season to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It, it's a time of anticipation and great expectation, amen. Uh, it's a time of giving and uh, a time to break out the eggnog and, and sing Christmas carols or around the fireplace for those that drink eggnog like myself. And it is a season when we should be full of joy because of the grace and mercy that God has extended to us, a season that we should be full of joy because of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But as much as we love this season, as much as we really adore this time of year, uh, there's an enemy who does not want us to proclaim the good news. There's an enemy who's always hounding us, trying to keep us from celebrating this season. He doesn't want us to be joyful. He doesn't want us to tell the world about Jesus Christ. And he's always hounding our backs and trying to distract us from the good news. So during the season, some of us, not everybody, some of us struggle this time of year. We struggle to be joyful. We struggle to truly rejoice because there's things going on in our lives. We struggle to celebrate because things aren't just right on the home front. Some of us may be distracted by some of our health issues and dealing with issues like diabetes and heart failure and high blood pressure, just to name a few. Some like myself push forward to struggle and understand what joy is in the season when I'm fighting against my own personal attack of cancer. You see, but I keep my focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. I know what he did for me a year ago, and he can do it now and again, so I trust him. Even in the midst of this season, when the enemy's trying to take my eye off the prize, I trust him. Some of you may be dealing with depression or addictions, some other mental challenges. We may be going through trials with our kids our siblings, or our marriages. Some of us may have lost a loved one. You ever notice how this time of year our trials seem to escalate? It's not a coincidence. You see, we're in a war and the enemy is doing his best to distract us from the good news. But what do we do? Our first thing is to put on our best smile while the inside on the inside, we're hoping that the anxiety would end. We're hoping that the weariness would go away. On the inside, we're fighting a fight that we can't seem to win, and yet we keep yearning for this peace that God has promised us. And even for those who think things are going well, we cannot ignore the tension in the air that is dividing our country in so many different ways. Tension that pit Republicans against Democrats, conservatives against liberals, pro-immigration against anti-liberation, Muslims against Christians, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. Even in the church universal, it's being divided by what the church's position should be. Supreme Court seats versus moral conduct. Women's rights versus the rights of the unborn. 
LGBT rights under the law of the land versus our own personal religious convictions. Yes, there's a wars and rumors of wars and every day they keep escalating like something's going to happen and we don't want to think about it, but it's out there. And this country itself has been hit three times this year with major, major disasters. People from Texas still trying to recover. People from Florida still trying to find their way back home. People in Puerto Rico still without lights. It is a struggle for some this time of year to really find the joy. But I want to tell you, it's okay to take off the smile for a second. It's okay to say, God, I need your help. I'm going to be real with you right now. I'm struggling in this season. It's a difficult time for me to praise you like I want to praise you. And it's okay to say, God, help me. But I didn't come today with a message to weigh you down, although it may feel like it. God's message today is not about your gloom and doom or despair, but it's truly about a message of hope. Today, I've come to share with you the true source of our real hope in times of trouble, the true source of unfailing or never-ending hope, the source of all of our joy. Hope in the midst of darkness, hope in the midst of distress, hope in the midst of despair. But I would challenge you with this question as I go through this text. What is the source of your hope? When trial comes, when challenges come, where do you turn in the time of trouble? Is your source of hope that would that which puts your heart towards Christ Jesus, towards the living God. So as we ponder the prophecy of Isaiah, ask yourself, where is my hope? Let us pray. God, we thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, we give you honor, O oh God. On this day, O oh Lord, fill this temple with your Holy Spirit, O oh God that we would hear a word from on high from you, O Lord, that you would encourage our hearts and feed our souls, O God, that we would know that the hope is in you, O Lord. God, I praise you right now for what you're going to do on this day, God. Let there be fertile soil to fall on, for your word to fall on, O Lord, and use me, God. Hide me behind your cross, O God, that every word that I say would give you glory and honor. Have your way on this day. In Jesus' mighty name we say amen. Amen. So our text today is a scripture, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. And I'll read through it very quickly. <clears throat> but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as of the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire.'" 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, of the peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Hope in the midst of the darkness. Hope in the midst of despair. Hope in the midst of distrust. 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah spoke the future to the children of Israel, letting them know that God was still going to keep his promise to them, letting them know that there was still hope for the remnant, hope for a savior, hope for a deliverer, hope for restoration. The prophet had prophesied in the previous chapters of the pending doom, distress, and darkness that was coming forth against the kingdom of Judah. He prophesied in the previous chapters how the king of Assyria was going to come and take over the land of Judah. Surely there was a message that he had laid before the children of Israel of doom and gloom. But here, in the middle of that prophecy, here God sends a message of hope through his prophet Isaiah. A message that says, there will be no more gloom for her that is in anguish. You see, formerly, when he talks about Zebulun and Naphtali, formerly the, those two tribes were under contempt for their disobedience to God. Their lands in the northern kingdom were occupied by Assyrians. But you see, God says through his prophet, in the latter times, in the latter times, he will make them glorious. You see, here in 700 B.C., Isaiah speaks of Galilee being made glorious. Why does this even matter to us? Why would it be important to us? Why? Because Jesus, Jesus walked the soil of Galilee. Because this prophecy was fulfilled and God kept his promise. Matthew in chapter 4 tells us that when Jesus left the wilderness, his ministry began in Capernaum, which is along the Sea of Galilee in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. The only test of a true prophet is if their prophecy comes true. So the prophetic words that I share with you this morning, as we move through the text, these words of hope can be trusted and believed that they are truly a word from God, not a word from man. In the verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Those that walked in despair, those that walked in anguish, those that walked in darkness, those that walked in distress. Surely some of us have walked in those shoes before and have seen what God can do in our lives. But these were the Israelites living under constant attack living without any peace, living in total darkness. But in the midst of their struggles, the Lord said a word of hope. Through the prophet, the Lord said, a light shall shine on them. Not just any ordinary light, but a great light. What light, what great light could be good enough to lift up the cloud over the children of Israel? That light is the light of Jesus. The same Jesus that said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have a light for life. 
because we have decided to follow Jesus, we have that life of light in us. Darkness no longer has power over us or authority over us or controls us. We don't have to let our circumstances quench our fire anymore because Jesus is the light of the world and we are his children. We too must be a light to this dying world. We who have received the light must not hide it from the world when things get rough. We must not cower back into our corner just because things are a little hard right now. The world needs to know that Jesus is alive and he's alive in us. What glory does God get when we lose hope? Our hope is not in our own strength, but in our strength that comes from the light within us. That light within us is the spirit of God and he will direct us, he will guide us, he will comfort us, and he gives us the peace that we so desperately, desperately seek. So when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel overwhelmed and unable to find the joy in this season, remember that the light of God is placed in you. The light of God dwells in you. That light that can overcome any situation. And at verse 3, it says, You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Joy has increased. Joy at the harvest. Joy when you divide the spoil. Here Isaiah promises us joy to the children of God. But this joy that he's talking about is not based on our circumstances. It's not regulated by our earthly condition. It's, it's a joy that comes from believing in the promises of God. It believes in our salvation. It's the joy that comes through the grace and mercy of our sins being forgiven. It's a joy that flows from spending eternity with Jesus. Isaiah says there will be joy at harvest time. Yes, now we labor in the fields and we labor hard. We're serving the Lord the best we can. And sometimes through that process we get weary. Sometimes we get rejected. Sometimes we get persecuted. But oh, but when the harvest time comes, when the harvest time comes, our labor will not be in vain. Why? Because the word of God says so. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So when you get tired of working for the Lord, don't give up. When you feel like nobody appreciates you, don't give up. When you feel like I'm done serving the church, know that you're serving the Lord and not man. Your labor may seem taxing now, but your reward is coming. The reward of an eternal resting place with Jesus. Your hope must be in the belief that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That there is truly a crown of glory waiting for you. That Christ has a new home prepared for you. Your hope must be in an eternal reward, not in the temporal things of this world. The things of this world will die and rust away. But the eternal glory that we seek, that we long for, is for everlasting. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you're broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, torment, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. 
here, Isaiah tells us that war will cease. War will cease. Satan, the oppressor, has been defeated. His power will be broken. Jesus is the one that will wear the badge of authority on his shoulder. Swords will be turned into plowshares because of who we are, children of the Most High God. We will be conquerors in Christ Jesus. Conquerors that should take authority over their homes. Conquerors should take authority over their workplace. Conquerors that should take authority over their marriages, over their children. Just as God worked his power through Gideon to defeat the Midianites, he can work the same supernatural power in our lives. Power that took Gideon's 30,000 and reduced it down to 300 and still defeated the Midianites who had the numbers that outnumbered the sands of the sea. When we place our hope in the immeasurable power of God, you will find joy, joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Then we too can walk in true victory. Then we too can experience the peace that passed all understanding. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a Savior is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Here with great joy, with great anticipation, Isaiah offers up a gift. Let's us know that there's a gift coming from heaven, a son given to us. The same son that Isaiah mentioned in 714, and when he said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, the Son, the Lamb of God, given as a sacrifice for the whole world. Yes, this is the same Son that was spoke of in Matthew 4, born unto the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit 700 years later. And they call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When you feel like all hope is gone, when you, when, when you feel like there's nothing left to give, remember the gift of life. Remember the free gift that you were given that gave you life and life more abundantly. When you feel like throwing in the towel, remember the Son of God left his home in heaven to shower you with his grace and mercy. When you're feeling all alone and depressed, remember that God is with you. He is living in you. Put your hope in the words of John in chapter 1, inspired by the Holy Spirit, when he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This same Word is the baby Jesus that came to us for the pardoning of our sins. Jesus was no ordinary baby. He was the God in flesh. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. So when you're hopeless, when you feel hopeless, find your hope in God. The God that humbled himself to be born in a manger, in a stable, with the animals, just for you and I. The word says he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. So when uncertainty weighs on you, you have a counselor full of godly wisdom. When all of your strength is gone, you have a powerful God to carry you. When you're wondering if God is still watching over you, cry out to him. He's still there for you. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He is the Father, our provider, our protector for all eternity. And when you're at your wit's end, 
when there's nothing left and you're totally stressed out, ready to burst from life's pressures, you can call on the name of Jesus. For he is the Prince of Peace, and he can give you the peace that passes all understanding. There is only one name to place your hopes in, and that name is Jesus. And only he can supply all of your needs. And at verse 7, of the increase of his government, of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our king is coming back, church. Our king is returning. He's not stuck in heaven. We don't know the day nor the hour when he's coming back, but he's coming back. He's coming back with full authority. He's coming back with full power. He's coming back to bring permanent peace to us. God's promise to David that someone from his lineage would sit on the throne forever will be fulfilled. He will rule with justice and righteousness. In Isaiah 11, he says, And the wolf will lay down with the lamb. The leopard shall lay down with the goat. The cow and the bear shall graze together and their young shall lie together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that's coming back again. This is the God that all creation yearns for and longs for and wants to end the war that we're in. This is the king that we look forward to coming back and ending the battle that we face in this world to reestablish his kingdom here on earth. What a glorious day that will be when he comes back to take his bride with him. What a glorious day it will be when the prophecy comes true, the place where we can truly find our real hope in what's coming. But all that being said, All that being said about our hope, the question that I would pose to you today is where do you look for hope when the storms come? When the unexpected trial punches you in the gut, where do you turn? When things get unsteady in your life, what security blanket do you reach for? When you're tossed around by the waves of life, what anchor do you hold on to? And when your spouse and yourselves are at odds with each other, what counsel do you seek? When sickness comes your way, in whose hand do you place your hope? When we lose a loved one, what comforter do we reach out to? When you're persecuted for righteousness sake, where do you turn for strength? All of us respond to the challenges of life differently, but there is only one remedy, and that unfailing remedy is Jesus the Christ, the one who never walks away from our needs, who's always there to help us through every trial and situation. So although this time of year may bring its unique set of trials for each one of us, and the world seems to be turning further and further away from God. We still have hope in the midst of the darkness. We still have hope in the midst of our struggles. We still can turn to Jesus no matter what's going on in our life because he knows already the challenges that we face. So therefore, our hope, 
Our hope is in the light that has entered history and cracked the darkness, the light that fills our very soul. Our hope that the enemy has already been defeated by the power of God and we can too walk in victory. Our hope is in our salvation that came through the Son that was given to us. Our hope is in the Christ coming back again with full authority to claim us as his bride and that there would be no more war and the spirit of peace would fill the world. So in this time of season of joy, when you feel the enemy trying to snatch it from you, cry out the name of Jesus. When you feel like the enemy's trying to bring you down and destroy your testimony, let him know that he cannot win the battle because he's already beat down. And the Spirit of God lives in you. Trust in the Lord with all your might. Bless the Lord at all times. Honor him as willing vessels, for there is still hope in the midst of the darkness. Amen. Amen. Amen.